Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Just an ugly little kid with a weird voice. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. Started by Griffin. Traveled. Sure did. Behind the back. Andrew wide open and cashes it in. Um, just a win. <laughs> you know, to be honest. All that comes is playing hard and playing together. You know, and playing within, you know, the system that they want us to play. <clears throat> so just getting the win is fine with me. All right, I'll, I'll wait. You guys would like to apologize to me? It's we've on got, you. We've got two hours if you guys your would regular, like to apologize Your to regular me. Herbie Brooks, you, you've so motivated this young man into becoming a all-star, all-NBA yeah. MVP, realizing his... T- you know, people think it's Gerson, and people think it's Ryan. It's this guy right here. It's Phil Mackey. Yeah, that's what it is. Listen, Andrew, a, bru- a bruise on the thigh is a long way from the heart, Andrew. <laughs> he's not Richard Nixon, he's Herb Brooks. That's <laughs> <laughs> Richard Nixon. You're not going to have Andrew You're not going to have Andrew Wiggins to kick around anymore. I will not take two-point jump shots from 20 feet anymore. No, no. But I think it was I think it was a write that down session from like six weeks ago, and I told you guys Andrew Wiggins is going to set career highs in four different categories, and you guys laughed and mocked and ridiculed. I did. I know. Th- I thoroughly did. So I'm not gonna. I'm not running from the truth. The I don't. I don't remember. I do remember you saying you had high expectations for Andrew Wiggins this year. I don't remember the segment specifically though, and what was said. I don't know if I was laughing at you because I thought you were just that wrong, or if I was laughing because of the 180 that you made on Andrew Wiggins from the president of the Andrew Wiggins listen, Haters Club to the president of the Andrew Wiggins Fan Club. Listen, the great stockbrokers, the great investors, the Warren Buffetts, the Bobby Axelrods from Billions on Showtime, they can sniff out trends before the public. Mm-hmm. You can call me the Wiggins Whisperer, gentlemen. I told you two months ago, as whoa, the lead whoa, whoa. as the lead no. seller of Wiggins stock for for four years, I told you how many games are we ah. in? How many games are are we in? I'm Ten. I'm I did laugh at you. I'm willing to admit that. Ten and so far, in. I did too. I, I was just wrong don't remember to the you. exact reason that. But I we're ten games in. Okay, so we're ten games in. Here are his averages, just mm-hmm. for the record. Okay, he's averaging twenty five and a half points a game. Okay, he's averaging five rebounds, three and a half assists. He's shooting 47%, which would be a career high, 10 games in, but 47%. Okay. And uh, his effective field goal percentage, which takes into context all of the different things, like where you shoot from, uh, how efficient you are, 
by far a career high of 53%. Hold on a second here. Andrew I don't know Wiggins. what Judd is doing. I'm watching him. Cl- I'm doing math. Andrew Wiggins okay. also. Oh, let me give you this one. This oh, one keep going. Okay. oh, keep going. I'm okay. doing math. Ten games in. I get it. But Andrew Wiggins, I like to go by, uh, there's some of these like player efficiency rating. How are you as a total player, right? Mm-hmm. Defense, uh, shooting, offense, all these different things. Rebounding assists. And uh, win shares per 48 minutes is a pretty good indicator of your overall game. In fact, if you go back last year and you rank all the players in the NBA based on win shares per 48, it's a pretty good reflection of who the best players are. Like Giannis, James Harden, uh, Anthony Davis, guys like that, okay? Wiggins last year, win shares per 48, was 350th or something like that in the NBA. This year, he's 40th. Mm-hmm. He's one of the top 40 to 45 players through the first three weeks of the season in a very key number. Andrew Wiggins, I told you. Told okay, you so I did some math you guys here. Laughed. I did some math. I actually, I saw Rami, you. Rami, I'm going to show you what the oh, math is. Oh, you double-checked your work because I, was, I yep. saw you write it down. Yep. When you, when, when, I did some math here, Phil. So first, Judd asked... How many games are left? Or how many games have been played? And you and I said 10, and I saw him pick up his handy-dandy pencil. And Judd is still using pencils yeah. like that you have to I sharpen. sharpened it this morning. Where do you find a pencil sharpener? There's one right outside here. Okay. By our computer. computer. So I'll have you know that I've had two people ask me in the last week and a half as they try to clean up the office, hey, do we need newspapers and this pencil sharpener anymore? said... Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very soon, much. So Judd asked us how many games we played. We said 10. Yep. And I saw him pick up his pencil, and I looked at what he was writing down. <laughs> and he actually wrote out the equation yep. 82 minus 10. Yep, which comes to 72. Equals 72. He, yep. did, he did the math. So in 72 games, come back and talk to me, Showed and I can, uh, I can right. tell you what I think. All right. Uh, but I guess the question is right uh-huh. now, I'm not going to let you have 72 more games. I'm going to ask you this question after 10 games, Okay. You have to make them right now before they play another game all year. You have to make the decision. Do you trade Andrew Wiggins right now uh-huh. or do you let it ride and hope that this can either maintain or even get better with the new system, the new coach, everything? What can I, what am I getting back? I mean, you got to give cent, me some 50 parameter. cents on the, you're mostly clearing out his salary. 50 cents on the dollar. You're mostly clearing out his, but you have to take some contracts back. Sure, sure, sure. And sure. Uh, you're mostly trading him just to be be done with him. I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm pulling the trigger as quickly as I possibly can. I don't believe it. I just don't. Not for the long term. He's been motivated before. It's come. It's gone. It's ten games. It looks better. But all here. Here's the here's the great thing right now. If you're the wolves, if you're the wolves and wild, and you are focused on trying to win games right now, you're crazy. Oh, this I is think all in about spots. This is all right. But in both, they are slightly. But this is all about one word: discovery. You get a year of discovery. And Andrew Wiggins has shown me enough on the bad side that I'm not convinced. So if I can clear that contract out and if I can get just a little something back. I mean, we were talking a year ago about attaching a first-round pick to the guy yeah. to trade him. You might still, by the way. It's, it's not like everyone's going to be bought in. Well, but if they – but uh, but okay, I need somebody. I need a team that's bought in. So I'm not, I'm not trading him and giving up a first-round pick now. But if I can make a – if I can make what it comes – the what what in hockey terms is called a hockey trade. If I can make a basketball trade and I'm not just subtracting him with a first round pick, I am making. Yeah, the trade. you you basically be trading him for like a couple of just like bench players. But it's a basketball trade. It's just, not. A, I'm not attaching. I'm not attaching assets to him. Then yeah. Okay. Okay. What about you, Rami? I think I'm in. I think I'm in on Andrew Wiggins. I don't think I'm trading him because I don't think you're going. First of all, I'm starting to believe that. 
Andrew Wiggins might not just be able to meet the expectations that we set when the season started. Andrew Wiggins might live up to number one pick in max contract wow. at some point. I'm starting to think that's a real possibility at this point. And I don't think you're going to get a player or an asset in return who can come anywhere near that. And even if he's just the guy who we talked about with lowered and altered expectations when the season started of like, hey, man, if they can get if they can get more out of him than what they've gotten, now they're not going to get what they expected when they drafted him. That was kind of the mindset that we had when we came into the season. Even if he reaches those types of heights, those types of expectations that we had when this season started, the lowered, altered expectations, I don't think you get the value back for him that you're sending elsewhere. I, I just I just don't. And I'm ready not right now to, to buy in and take that gamble that Andrew Wiggins can at least come close to living up to the pick and yeah. to the contract. Yeah. So this is going to sound crazy because of how I savaged him for four years. Mm-hmm. I stand by everything I said about him for four years because he deserved almost all, if not all, of that criticism. He deserved criticism when he sort of coasted and loafed through games. When even though he didn't have great infrastructure from a coaching perspective, and Tom Thibodeau was the exact wrong guy to put with Andrew Wiggins if you're trying to maximize. Like Wiggins needs to be empowered, not browbeat. And so he was subject to three years in the middle of his growth to just a, an ogre who couldn't stop yelling during games. Um, so there's there's things that there's things that Andrew, despite those things, could have figured out on his own. Just stop taking inefficient jumpers. Look around the league. What's winning? You know why? Why aren't other players shooting with a hand in their face from twenty? So there's there's so many things that he could have done on his own, but with Gerson Rosas and the system all the way down to Ryan Saunders and the coaching staff, they've unlocked something in these ten games that's not a fluke. Uh, there's been ten game stretches before in his career where he's put up twenty seven points and five rebounds and assists and different things, uh, but he shot like. 55% from three-point range over that stretch. And he's just like, he just was red hot from three-point range. He's not even really red hot from the field. He's just getting to the rim. He's getting to the line. And he's and he's not shooting as many long jumpers. So if given the choice right now, gun to the head, you got to trade him for 50 cents on the dollar and just to get rid of him, or you let it ride and you hope that this is the new guy or he can get even better than this, I'm in too. If and I, I know it sounds crazy. Either, either I, way, it's a gamble. If you stick with him, it's a gamble that he's same old Wiggins. And if you trade him, it's a gamble that this this is a new Andrew Wiggins. And this is a guy who can finally start living up to the expectations when he came into this league. And you're giving that up in a trade for the unknown, essentially, if it's a draft pick. that that's Either way, it's a gamble. So it's a matter of where do you want to put your chips at this point. Yeah. And I'm putting my chips on Wiggins I mean, is going to be good, and he should do it in a Timberwolves also, uniform. Imagine like if, so let's just take this guy right here, okay? This guy who has... Definitely become a top 50 NBA player, if not even higher than that. Just the first the first 10 games of Andrew Wiggins, if you could just take this and this is what you get, is there is there any doubt that you'd sign up for that, right, Judd? Like, if, if you knew this oh, is the I, guy you're going to yes, sign up for. Yes, if this that. was him, yes. Okay, you're, you're questioning, rightfully so, by the way, you're questioning, can you do this for the next 10 games I'm not question- for 50 games? I'm not questioning ability, I'm questioning mentality. And all I'm, if I'm Gerson, all I'm here to do is fool you into thinking that this is him mentality wise. And I don't, and I say if I'm playing poker, it's not. The ability, there's never been a question. There's never been a question since his first year. 
This is the kid that went into Cleveland and lit him up and See, said, I was motivated. And I said to myself, that's a major problem. And right now, right now, they've done a great job of inspiring him. And when he's engaged, he's this guy. This is him. But I've seen athletes like this in every sport. And they flame up and then they flame back down. And I think, you know, I, I would even actually nitpick what you just said because I think there there were a lot of ability things that people overrated too. I mean, he was a here's something really nuanced and small that I noticed big time the last couple games that, whoa, he has, someone told him how to do this for the first time or he discovered it himself or something. He's been a terrible dribbler his entire career. You ever watch him the first five years of his career and he's dribbling up by his waist and out of control and he does the spin move, but he's like, he's like bouncing the ball by his eyebrows, you know, Mm -hmm. and he goes into the lane and somebody just takes the ball from him. It happens all the time. Or he, he uh, he gets too loose with his dribble, and he'll dribble it off his knee and out of bounds with thirty seconds to go because he's just, you know, he's just out over his skis. Mm-hmm. If you watch him in these last couple games, and he's still like he still dribbles high sometimes, and I'm not I'm not a scout, so don't necessarily take my word for gospel here. But watch how often now they've got him dribbling below his waist and by his knee, just more of a controlled dribble in traffic. Little things like that. That did no one teach him stuff like this? Like why? Why did it take five years? I think they tried for Tom Thibodeau and even before that, uh, Sam Mitchell and Flip Saunders to say, "Dude, how about not taking six jump shots from nineteen feet anymore?" But whatever it is with the new coaching staff and Gerson Rosas, they've clearly whether it's putting the stickers on the practice court, the red and the green, he has just by just getting rid of crappy shots, he's become. A top forty player. It's amazing. I just don't buy into to the fact that it's a permanent change. I buy into the fact that they've gotten to him and that he can do this. And if I thought if this was his third year, second year in into it, I'd be like, okay, that change is a real thing. But I so question when people do this because I've seen so many people in all walks of life go through sports or go through work shifts for a week or two where they apply themselves and you're like, you are really good. This is really different. And then inevitably, if it's too far into their lives or careers, those people come back to, they. if they don't take the full step back, they regress enough to where I say, okay, it wasn't real because they're just not wired that way. I think more times than not, you're right, but, and this is going to sound corny and cliche, people do change. And people mature. People get older and realize that they, they haven't been doing things the right way for the first part of their life. And I've made this analogy before, and I'm going to make it again. I was 320 pounds when I was 29 years old. 320 pounds. I sit here, not in Adonis today, but right around 200 pounds. And what got me to 320? A lot of bad habits. Eating whatever I wanted, how much of it I wanted, and wherever, and as, and as frequently as I wanted, and not exercising. This sounds like fun. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I talk about that on stage, that I had fun being fat. I wasn't a depressed eater or an emotional eater. I just love food, and I hate exercise, and that's still true today. <laughs> but, I, and and it would have been real easy, especially considering the fact that I had $500 on the line to lose the weight that I lost. It would have been real easy for me to collect the money and go right back to my bad habits. But I haven't. For 10 years, I've stayed away from those bad habits, for the most part. I still go and crush a cinnamon roll at the bakery down the street every once in a while. But I've broken those bad habits and have gotten myself... That's your bad game. In the that's your two-point jump yeah, shot that's, right that's there. That's my yeah. mid-range jumper. Yeah, that's where you, that can't, help, roll, that's that's you can't help yourself. <laughs> just, <laughs> it just looked open. You're playing... <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're playing Detroit. You come throw one The up. shot was open and I took it, all yeah. right? And it was delicious. Yeah, and now you're back. <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part... 
I've changed those habits. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people in my situation, they do go back to their old habits and they do go back to being obese. But every once in a while, it sticks and people change. See, and I think that's what we're seeing with th- Andrew Wiggins. And I think what you have to figure out here is if if Greg Popovich was the one that drafted Andrew Wiggins or, or more accurately traded for Andrew Wiggins and had him from his rookie year, would Greg Popovich have allowed him uh, to eat the cinnamon roll? You know, because that's that's what happens, right? Like, there's a Danny and I did, uh, and we'll talk to we're going to get Danny on for a few minutes in the five o'clock hour. Uh, him and I did, a, I think it'll be out tomorrow. We did a super deep dive into Andrew Wiggins on Raised by Wolves podcast, which you can find Scorn Earth app, Apple, Spotify, and we got talking about because he's from Cleveland. I said. I'm not saying that all of the Cleveland quarterbacks that have failed over the last 15 or 20 years would have been stars under Bill Belichick, because there's just a certain amount of guys that probably were just crappy, like Brady Quinn. Probably just wasn't going to be good anywhere. Um, you know, uh, Spurgeon Wynn was with Cleveland for a while. Like, there's, But if you start out and you're with the wrong coach or the wrong infrastructure or whatever it is that's just wrong, and you have no shot out of the gate... Uh, that that to me is is kind of what Andrew Wiggins went through his first few years. But he didn't flip, right? For one year. Right. But I mean For so one he year. right 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 but it's not like he he had year 1 a really bad coach. Yeah, but he, but, but he, he was, was a good coach. But, but I think in year 1 there was some promise. He he wasn't taking nearly as many long shots. Uh he was and plus he was actually his rookie year was like his best rebounding year cuz mm-hmm. flip had flip well, he had, dropped had to a the fire basket his first couple of years too, didn't he? Yeah. And he's and he's done that to some extent, but He's, he fell so in love with that two-point jumper under Tom Thibodeau because Tom Thibodeau had no idea how to coach Andrew Wiggins. So I can't believe, like, I'm, I'm having an out-of-body experience right now. I'm sitting here just, like, for the last 15 yeah. minutes saying you're things really, I never thought really I would let, say. You're really Wiggins letting me down, amazing. man. You got a chance here. <laughs> you bought his value, and now, and now you're keeping him. Sorry. You know what this is? The estate sale started, and you're like, none of it's for sale now. Leave. Leave the house. This is like Mackie's buddy has been dating a girl for a long time who he thinks is bad news, and he's like, dude, I'm telling you, this yeah, is not the one. Right. You do not want to be with this girl. This is not going to end well, man. This is going to be bad for you. And then they break up. And he swoops right in. He's like, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. But they didn't break up yet. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, she's great. She's she's awesome. This is unbelievable. She's changed my life. It's I great. feel like that's if Wiggins gets traded. That's the analogy. But, um, the other thing, so we had, we had Royce on yesterday, as we always do, to wrap the show. And I believe the direct quote from him was uh, when they went 6 of 45 from three-point range a couple nights ago. The, the, he called it cartoon basketball. Yeah, it's a great phrase. I loved it. And then, of course, last night they play more cartoon basketball, but they go 15 of 34 from uh-huh. downtown because that's what happens. And if you look at the teams that have missed the most three-pointers in a game historically, the Houston Rockets have four of the worst games, of uh, four of the six worst games. So, it's I mean, it's, it's a system. To me, you sign up for that. There's going to be five games like that where you put up 30 or 35 missed three-pointers or more, mm-hmm. and you just have to sort of live with it. And last night was validation that, yeah, there's going to be some wild swings both ways. You're going to have halves where you go 9 of 11 like they did last night in the first half. I love it. I get why some people are uh, can't handle the swings and the emotions of shooting that many threes, but I think it's awesome, and I think it's fun to see guys like Andrew Wiggins, like Jake Lehman last night, like that guy comes in and he's just camped outside the three point line, and there's going to be games where Jake Lehman hits five threes, and that's awesome. And, the, and it never would have happened on previous. Their personnel's just wrong, right? Like they, they've it's, got a few guys, but it's not there wrong. yet. But they're not going to. 
I, I remember it was game, uh, what was it, a game four target center of the uh, first round playoff series that the Wolves played against Houston a couple years back when they went to the postseason. And the Rockets that first half would do nothing but shoot threes and they missed everything. And I finally tweeted, why wouldn't you drive and go inside a couple times just to get some baskets? And people tweeted back, uh-uh, they will never do that. That's not how they operate. They're it's never, math. they're never going to. And sure enough, they stunk for one half of basketball. Guess what happened? Third quarter, they come out, bang, 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 bang. They start to yeah. hit them. So they, these guys, they don't care that the personnel is not yet right. It's the system. And so some nights it's going to be brutal and some nights it's going to be decent. And and a year from now, my guess is the personnel will have largely changed. But, yeah, they're not ever going to deviate from and say, ah, you know what, bleep the three. Not going to happen. Yeah. And this is this kind of goes back to the discussion that we've had time and time again concerning baseball and all the home runs and all the walks and all the strikeouts. Yep. People go, we need to cut down on the home runs. And my point was always, do you realize... Do you realize what you're missing? Do you realize right now what you're saying you want back in the game? You want ground outs and pop outs and things that really aren't that entertaining. And yeah, there are fun plays that happen when the ball is in play, but that's like one in every eight balls that's in play where something fun is happening on the bases or somebody is doing something impressive with the glove. When we're talking about basketball and the influx of threes and specifically with the Timberwolves and the influx of threes, what are you missing? You really missed the mid-range jumper? You really missed that 14 to 16 footer just inside the arc? Like, it's not like an entertaining part of the game has been removed to add in the three-pointers. The most entertaining things in basketball are dunks and three-pointers. That's what's, that's what entertains. That's what sells tickets. That's what makes highlights. That's what equals ratings. Three-pointers and dunks. Nothing has been removed from the game that you would, that you should be missing. Nothing. Royce wants Cat inside. That's my theory here. He wants Cat he inside get to three, get the ball down. But here's, here's the thing I'm telling you for this year. You're installing a system, right? Like this is the installation for a team that, by the way, has never done this. Rockets basketball has never come here. So you're installing a system. I honestly don't think that you are sweating of, oh, we lost that game by two points tonight. Now, maybe in four, three years, you will be, okay? And maybe in three years, you'd alter things slightly. I don't know. You probably don't. But the fact is they clearly said, we've got X amount of guys who can play. And we've got X amount of guys who are NBA players, but they're not great. But we're not going to forego what we do. And it's that simple. And that's why I'm not worried about it. Yeah, Like, I never watch a game thinking, oh, the Wolves blew that one. That's too bad. Okay, they blew it. Or they didn't blow it. But also, to go back to the cartoon basketball phrase, it's cartoon basketball because of what you just said, which is you're asking square pegs to go into round holes. Mm-hmm. And what I'm what I'm what I'm saying is keep the round holes yeah. and just get rid of the square pegs after the season. Which they'll work on. And they will. Um and by the way, Carl Anthony Towns is putting up ridiculous numbers across the board and they are leading to winning. It's not like it's not like in, in the Kevin Love era where he put up like he'd go hunting for rebounds and stuff that like anyone could have grabbed so that he could get his 15, um, and they were losing games. Carl Anthony Towns is putting up actual meaningful numbers, and his bad games now, he's had a couple kind of clunker games when you just kind of watch, and and he'll brick a bunch of threes, but his clunker games now are like 29-7, and you know? Like a clunker game for Towns is still a double-double and a bunch of assists and some decent defense compared to the last couple years. Is it safe to say, though, that... 
since he came back from the suspension, Andrew Wiggins has been the best player on this basketball team? Yes. I think that's that's a hundred percent accurate. Yeah, that's crazy. I think that's absolutely. And they're correct. winning basketball yeah. games. Like if I told you, yeah. Andrew Wiggins is the best player on the Wolves for a stretch of six games. Yeah, but this, you would say they lost a bunch but, of those games and Cat was hurt, right? But the one thing I will say about this is, it sounds crazy because of what we become used to, but when you see this kid play or or this guy play at his best, it's not really crazy. This is there. That that's the that's the conundrum of the conversation, right? Like this is not a decent player who, oh my God, now is unbelievable and he might be an all star and and this is an out of body experience. We've seen it, Phil. This is there inside. The question is, it's unlocked right now. Can it remain unlocked permanently? And that's where I, I have serious doubts because it's taken so long and he usually reverts back. But this player, this is the player who was drafted first. Like, he deserved that. This is not the kid from Canada that the Cavs took the, the year before. What, what was it, Bennett, who they traded here for a while? Yeah, who, Anthony Bennett. Oh Anthony Bennett, God. right. He just couldn't play. He was yeah. awful. Yeah. This kid can play. We know that. And it's unlocked right now. This Does is, it stay uh, unlocked? This is Wiggins Island. And, uh, gentlemen, I'm thinking about buying. Oh. <laughs> Enjoy it because it might be taking on water in a couple months. <laughs> we'll see. By the way, I see scheduled, <laughs> scheduled for six o'clock to be posted on the Score North Twitter feed and I believe Facebook as well. Mm-hmm. Rami did something similar to what Judd did a couple years ago. Judd did the Houston Rockets challenge a couple years ago when the Rockets went 0 for 27 from three. Yeah. Judd said, I can make a three. That was a. Uh, you didn't. It was rough. That was a playoff game. Uh, Rami did the Minnesota Timberwolves challenge. He said six for forty-five. I can go six of forty-five mm-hmm. from downtown. Yep. You'll have to watch the video. It's going to be posted in about ninety minutes on the Scorner Twitter account and Scorner Facebook. And account. if you missed it earlier, at Real D Cunningham and at Rami is tweeting. Danny and I had ourselves a bit of a slam dunk contest. Boys. Oh wow! Yeah, you know. And I, I appreciate. You guys call that? I appreciate the fact <laughs> you bleeped you, the wrong word. You just, <laughs> oh, <laughs> 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 I'd like to apologize for that. <laughs> Thank you for hitting the dump button. The dump. Thank you for hitting the dump button on me. First time I've done that. Ten years. First time I've done years. that. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank you, Phil Mackey, for saving me. I apologize profusely. That's amazing. That was great. I bleeped the wrong word. I bleeped the wrong word. You blinked the third word. Wow. Into the I know. Wow. Ten years. First time. I pulled wow. a Royce. That's pretty good. And like for Thank most you. of those ten years, Judd's been on for like four hours a day. Yeah. And he's never once done it. I can't believe I there did it. it. <laughs> Thank you. For a second there, I stopped him like, what did I say? Oh, no. Today was just a three-hour day for Judd. And he just yeah, it's, it's not enough work. Thank you. Amazing. It's amazing. All right, Phil Mac- just calmly reached over. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mackie and Joe with Rami. It took me a second for me to process that. Yeah, but like, no, me too. That's what I, I like, said. It. really just. And I said it. Wow. It. Oh. Uh, we'll come Thank back. You. Mackie wow. and Joe with Rami. Score North in the Score North app. All right. Two things when we come back. Was Sunday the biggest win of Kirk Cousins' career? And where should Dalvin Cook be the MVP uh, leader in the clubhouse? We'll talk some Vikings when we come back. And hopefully we won't get in trouble by dropping words we can't. Um, <laughs> Good God, man. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. By the way, if Judd was a business, he might need some insurance after what just happened there a couple minutes ago. 
Federated has been a Minnesota-based company since the early 1900s, and they are here to stand behind you as a business owner. So have you ever had an insurance claim that just left you feeling, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better comparison, sacked in the end zone? When something bad happens to the company that you built with your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can have peace of mind and you can get on with running your business. Here's what you do. Go to federatedinsurance.com and just look at all the different industries that Federated protects to see if it matches the business that you own. You can also find your Federated marketing representative at federatedinsurance.com as well. Federated, it's our business to protect yours. Cousins under pressure, gets the way to Cook, Cook gets away from Lee, and Cook inside the 30, tough, tough running with a flag down at the 19-yard line, deep down the right sideline and underthrown and coming back to Stephon Diggs, and they're going to say no, ball hit the ground. Obviously a booth review. Diggs is trying to appeal to anybody he can. I think he got it. Mm. I'm certainly happy where we are. The, the, the next games are going to tell a story. You know? So people remember how you finish. They kind of forget how you start. So we got to make sure that the finish is strong. I think our, our start has been fast enough to put us in a position of certain games and plays we want back for sure. But uh, it's been fast enough to put us in a position now where you know we can we can do something and. Uh, we're going to have to go you know, earn it in the second half here. All right, gentlemen. Mackie and Chubb with Rami, Score North and the Score North app. And I went back just out of curiosity because off the top of my head, when the Vikings closed that game out against the Cowboys on Sunday, my first thought was, I think this is the biggest win of Kirk Cousins' career. I think Al Michaels said this is the signature win in a Vikings uniform for Kirk Cousins. Yeah, and and that's true for sure because... They didn't really win any of those games last year, and they haven't really this year so far. But his signature win of last year, would that have been Green? Philadelphia. Oh, Green and Bay. Green Bay in prime time at home. That was a nice win. Yeah, and yeah, the Philly game early. Um, but no, yeah, those two for sure. So I went back to the Washington days, too, and I can say with confidence that Sunday was the biggest win of Kirk Cousins' career. It's also the first time in five tries he's beat Dak Prescott. He's He was 0-4 against Dak Prescott. And I get that there's 52 other guys involved as well, but just going going all the way back. So he they, uh, the, the they won at Philadelphia in Week Five of last year. He went for 301 and a touchdown. But that was you know, when you're talking Week Five, early October. Right. When I think big games, I'm thinking second half of the season. Get me into November, road games, yep. quality opponents, yep. or home games, quality opponents. 2015. Washington won four straight games to close out the regular season to make the playoffs at nine and seven. So, well, wow, they got had to have been a big game in there somewhere, right? And obviously, for them to get to the playoffs, there were some big games, but none of their last four games of that season were against above five hundred teams. All of the teams were like six and ten, four and twelve. They played the Bills. Uh, I think they played it like the Bears were down that year. They played the Bears over that stretch. So, I wouldn't necessarily put those games above this one. Two thousand sixteen. Kirk did win a game in Week 14 at Philadelphia, uh, in which they were trailing with a couple minutes to go. But Philadelphia was kind of down in 2016 too, right? And yeah. that Washington team did not make the playoffs, so they weren't really playing for so, a whole right. lot. And then 2017 again, Washington was not in prime playoff spot. They did win at Seattle in Week Nine, 
17 to 14. Kirk went for 247 and no interceptions. But when you take Vikings in, in their current playoff standing against a tough road opponent, primetime, mm-hmm. this was the signature win. Not only Kirk in a Vikings uniform, but Kirk, period, in his career. What do you guys think? Interesting. Yeah, Vikings for sure. Because I, I go Green Bay last year. You're right. Philadelphia is nice, but that's week five. So that's a bit early to get too excited about. Um, and this, to me, of the seven games that the Vikings have won this year, is easily the best win. You know, we, we talked yeah, about this no last week. That. You know, Detroit's a nice win. Okay, Detroit, you won at Detroit. Detroit's not a dumpster fire, but Detroit's also not great. But yeah, I, I think that this was, this, this was also. Beyond Kirk, this was also just a good win because offensively, I thought this game plan was fantastic. Dalvin Cook was great. Diggs was, was for the most part, not a factor, but he sort of was because he obviously remains a threat. So I just, I think when we talk about the best games that the Vikings have played offensively since Shermer left after the uh, year that they went to the conference title game in 2017, I think this was probably one of the best games as far as quarterback play, as far as coaching, as far as as a smart game plan that was executed by almost everybody offensively really well. I think for now it's his signature win, but I think there are there are bigger ones on the horizon that he's got to get oh, yeah. to dispel the narrative. That's the word that people keep using around Kirk Cousins and primetime games and winning teams and good defenses and what he's done against teams who fall under those categories throughout his career, and especially since he got here to Minnesota, there are still, there are still demons to exercise for Kirk Cousins, for people to stop thinking and stop talking about that stuff that they were talking about coming into this game, for sure. I don't think Kirk Cousins has done away with the primetime Kirk uh, apprehension that Vikings fans and people who cover this team have. I'm doing one thing. Denver Sunday, I don't care. Beat them. I am looking ahead. I'm doing the unfootball thing. I don't care what Zimmer says. I don't care what the Vikings say. I can't wait for Monday night, December 2nd, Seattle. Yeah. A- after what we saw last night. Seattle's legit, man. And I am so excited. I'm so excited to see everything. Russell Wilson, you're coming off a bye. What's your game plan? How do you stop him? The passing game and the running game. Uh, Cousins, a disaster there last year. How do you come back? That game, to me... And this might not be entirely fair, but from the outside, that game to me is going to tell us so much about the mentality, the intestinal fortitude, and probably playoff ability of this Vikings team. I don't think it's a must win anymore. Now that you won that Dallas game, I don't. I don't feel like now if you lose to the Broncos, it becomes Ask me when we get there. That's what I was just going to say. That's okay. it. Feels like a huge show me game, though, right? It's a show me game, but it's. It's not a game that you're going to win 10 times out of 10, so I want to sure. see how you compete. I, I think yes. the, the win against Dallas kind of showed you, all right, they can, they, they can check some of these boxes. You're not going to win those games all the time, but a good 50-50 split. Um, if they beat Seattle, it probably puts them in the conversation of best team in the NFC. I actually don't care as much about the Broncos game. I'm not saying that like you should win that game, but if they lose that game... I, I actually learned more about them in the Dallas and Seattle games than the Broncos game. It would be a, a wildly unfortunate and terrible game to lose. <laughs> yes. But I would still I would still look at the Seattle game as the litmus test much more than the than like you the Broncos. Can't lose. I'm not saying you, you can't, can't lose. I'm saying like the Seattle game either way. Cannot lose this game. The Seattle game either way is the game that yes. is the gatekeeper game. That's the ultimate. Right? That's that's the the 
the most accurate measuring stick that's left on the schedule. Yeah. When you talk measuring stick games, that's that's the the best measure of who this Vikings team is. And can I can I take the Kirk Cousins can I hijack the Kirk Cousins narrative for a second and turn it to something else because it's been so focused on primetime and all right, I get that Washington was one, but he's 2 and 0 in primetime this year and that win against Dallas is a big win. Mm-hmm. I want to shift the attention to the narrative should be and it's really the reality if the defense doesn't lock down an opponent. If you're if Dak Prescott throws for 400, or if just if things aren't going great, or you fall behind early and you're trailing by 10 going into the fourth quarter, can you bail it? Just can you bail the team out Tw- between now and the end of the year, including playoffs? Yep. The Vikings are going to need Kirk Cousins to bail them out at least twice in the fourth quarter. I think wherever you go, you're and I'm not putting it on Kirk Cousins. We're, however far the Vikings get this season will be on the success of the offense. This defense is not carrying this football team anymore. Those days are done. Can I? But it's not like Kansas City's Swiss cheese defense. It's a good uh, enough defense. The secondary well, is pretty bad. Okay, but, but this is where I am extremely excited for the bye week to see what they go into Seattle and do. Mike Zimmer's going to change things. Like, he's not going to talk about it. He's not going to discuss it. That man is going to spend one solid week in a dark room watching film. I guarantee you he can't change players, but there's going to be schematics. And you know what? We probably won't even know, you know, because you're just a fan watching TV. We probably won't even realize what they are, but he's going to change things. He's going to have to. It's Russell Wilson. He's going to have to throw something. But I don't know what there is to change. Yeah, but I mean, Rami, there's always these little, these Xavier little. Xavier Rhodes was getting burned. Yeah. Then Trey Waynes was getting burned. Now Mike Hughes is getting burned. Like at some point, you're just out of quarterbacks to put there and, and hope things change. Yeah, but you could change looks. You can change. There's so many things in football that got. It's unbelievable the amount of things, attention to detail things that these coaches will see. Yeah. And they, they have, I mean, I'm, I am not joking when I say they have no lives. Like they have no lives. And Mike Zimmer has been really good at that too. He's he's been great. There's been stretches in the last four or five years where man, oh, this this thing is kind of coming apart defensively, and then all of a sudden, like there's a tweak and four games, and they look amazing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but the cousins we'll thing, just quick, the cousins thing to me is this: it's this simple. Because what did my starting point for Sunday's game offensively was? Your game plan was great, and you gave your team a ton of confidence, and and you you had a really good plan. And the Kansas City game, game plan, let's start with that. It was just as if Thielen was going to play, and so they said, oh, he's playing, we're going to be fine. And you're like, no, you might not be fine. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really think that Cousins' success against good teams goes really hand-in-hand with game plan as well. Because if you just throw it on Kirk and say, be Tom Brady, we talked about that, he can't do that. But if you throw him a good plan that he can execute that's really coherent and really smart, which I thought the Dallas plan was, he's got a good chance. Yeah. My thing with Kirk Cousins that was confirmed on Sunday night is that Kirk Cousins plays up to or down to the level of the football team that he's on. A week ago, people were saying another Kirk Cousins loss when they, when they, when they lost to the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I pointed at it and said, no, you had failures, multiple failures in all three phases of your football team and your coaching staff. And Kirk Cousins actually had a pretty good game, and they lost. That was the recipe. That was the formula that led to a loss. He faced another good football team in the Cowboys, and there were no major failures on offense. There were no major failures on defense. There were no major failures on special teams. And Kevin Stefanski called a great game. Kirk Cousins had an almost identical, statistically speaking, almost identical game to what he did in Kansas City, but you got out of there with the win. 
If he's on a good football team, he will win football games. If he's on a football team that's not executing and making mistakes, Kirk Cousins isn't good enough to overcome that. And that's what we that's what was proven on Sunday night. And the other thing that was just wildly impressive about that win, the Vikings didn't have Linval Joseph, Adam Thielen, or Trey Waynes. I mean, think about that. That's yeah. You had those guys back in. And uh, do they win by another t- touchdown or something? Real quick, let's take one quick call here. 651-646-8255. Ryan and Fargo, you're on with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Go ahead, Ryan. All right. Hey, guys. First of all, happy early birthday, Judd. Thank you very much. When Appreciate that. Tomorrow, the tomorrow. big day. Oh, really? 50 tomorrow. Big five zero. Yep. Right. Appreciate that. And happy birthday. I'll forget before then, so I'll get out of the way now. Thank you. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. And I was trying to call in yesterday, but I couldn't get through. Um, I'd like to say that on Saturday and Sunday, especially Saturday, was the best sports weekend in, that's the greatest sports weekend in in Minnesota history. Wow. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Mount Rushmore of them, for sure. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Because, all right, I know you and Rami are video game guys. The only time the Gophers have ever been this good is when you played NCAA football. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that a sad statement? Yeah, the go. I'll be honest. Like I used to take the crappiest teams in NCAA football, like Toledo, and I'd try to make them into national championship. Trust Chandler, man. I did that with the Gophers one time. Did it took you make like it? seven years. Did you make it to the promised land? Though? Yeah, good. It took a long time. It took about until uh, to 2020. On there's a Super Nintendo game. I take my school, Red Lake County Central, and try to try to do that with them too but it was, those were fun games but anyway um you know i've been around as long as you maybe the middle of you guys but i've never seen anything like this the outpouring just everything and it, it was like i was floating on a cloud and it still feels surreal like i have to pinch myself yeah yeah thank you ryan thanks for, thanks for chiming in man i think people are still on a high two days after the weekend is over and I do wonder if you're actually, let's come back and talk about some of this because the college football playoff rankings are going to come out tonight. Where should the Gophers be? And this is, the spread is out. Iowa's a three point favorite. This is such a classic. How do you get back up for this game on the road in this situation? We can talk about some of that when we come back to Mackie and Jeff with Rami on Score North and the Score North app from the TCL studios where uh, we, we love getting photos sent to us. Just keep tweeting us the photos of your TCL TV setups in your living rooms. And now you've got that TCL Alto soundbar that uh, just completely fills out the audio experience of your TCL TV viewing experience. And uh, you can find out more at TCLUSA.com. And you can also go into any major local retailer in the Twin Cities and stare at a TCL TV for yourself. Find out why it is America's fastest growing TV brand. Find out uh, all about the 5,000 plus streaming channels that uh, you can use to cut the cord if you want to. There's a lot of cord cutters that are in love with that built-in Roku device and have said, you know what, I just don't, I don't need cable anymore. I don't need the $250 a month bill anymore. I can watch, I can watch ESPN Plus. I can watch YouTube. I can, I've got uh, access to Hulu and Netflix and all the streaming channels that I would need thanks to the built-in Roku device on these TCL sets. Again, it's America's fastest growing TV brand and you can find TCL TVs inside any major local retailer. Here in the Twin Cities, Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Well, usually Jonathan would be the one delivering. Uh-uh, no way, no how. Not the now. Score North download. Not today. But we have Judd Zolgad instead <clears throat> for a while. Wild.com to buy tickets. I look forward to this every week. It is time for 
the Wild Minute. As the Wild gets ready to wrap up a four-game, ten-day trip tonight in Los Angeles, a swing to California. They play the Kings at 9.30 tonight. They have played Anaheim, San Jose, and Arizona so far on this trip. They have come from two goals down to beat Anaheim. They were down 6-2 to San Jose and they almost came back and they lost 6-5 to because Zach Parisi couldn't lift the puck over the goaltender. And then they went to Arizona on Saturday night. They fell down by two goals again. And guess what? They came back because the Furious Rallies are back in town. In fact, they're going to be back in town when they play the Coyotes on Thursday night. I'm sure plenty of tickets available to that game. Come see former uh, gopher Phil Kessel. Now you say what's been the good of this road trip, and I'm going to tell you quickly because it's only a minute's worth of time. Kevin Fiala is scoring goals. Never scratch him again, Bruce. Matt Dumba scores on Saturday against Arizona, only a second of the year, but he he is a key part to this team. And the most important thing, Big Jordan Greenway is playing a physical style of hockey, which this team desperately needs if it wants to have success in the future because it shouldn't worry about success this season. Remember, Wolves and Wild fans, this year is all about discovery of your teams, not wins, not losses. That is your Wild Minute. That's what it was about for the Wolves. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Oh, now you're going to Oh, well, don't answer that question, because that's going to be a part of cram session. Playoffs? Well, they, uh, they're in right now, aren't they? Yes. They're the 8th seed the f- right now. Are they the 8th seed? They slipped to 8? I know they were the 5 seed at one point. Yeah, they're, I, mean, I haven't looked at the standings in a minute. It's a tight bunch. You know the genius team? The complete genius team here? Hmm. The Gold State Warriors. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. I saw a note today. Put get, the hit out on Get Steph. this one. Steph, Steph hopes to return in the spring. To what, the golf course? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. He ain't coming back. Hey, Steph, we got to get you back on the floor so we uh, don't get the first overall pick. Nah, I'm good. I said I was going to try and learn hockey this year. I need you, Judd, because I don't want to go and watch bad hockey, which I understand the Wild provide plenty of. Yeah. I need you to pick some games where I can go and see good hockey and pick your brain about the sport. So. Oh, sure. Yeah, Edina. <laughs> it's, it's called Braemar Ice Arena. Yeah. And when they play the Minnetonka Skippers, I'll take you and it'll be a but heck if of a go, game. If you go to a high school hockey game with him, you have to wear a dueling trench coat with him. And mesh shorts. Yeah, and mesh shorts. Hold on. Hold I'm not going to watch high school store. hockey, guys. I, first of all, don't knock it till you see it. No. Um, I wore no, no, mesh shorts to a banilled football game. I wore the trench coat to a banilled Minnetonka hockey game at St. Louis Park Rec Center. So let's get that straight. Okay. Never wore mesh shorts to a hockey arena. <laughs> Why not? Because that would be flat out creepy. Because why would anyone wear mesh shorts to a hockey game? And f- plus, I'd freeze. <clears throat> I'd say something else, but I already have gone too far. You already got it. You already so got I'm just going to leave yeah. it at freeze, yeah. period. We need, we need a shirt that has the phrase that Judd said earlier with the wrong word bleeps. Yes. Can we get that? Bat, bleep. Bleep. Would that be allowed? I'm not even saying okay. that. Yeah. Uh, what do you What do you so. guys think about the Gophers? <laughs> the Gophers are three point underdogs going into Kinnick Stadium this weekend. I, here's my thought. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's a lot of smart people in Vegas that look at the Gophers and say maybe maybe that winning maybe Penn State was overrated. Maybe the Gophers are more like the 12th best team in the country, and it's a home game for Iowa. And the Gophers are coming off a wildly emotional victory. Uh, this is going to be a real tough test for PJ Fleck to rein all of those things in from Saturday. Uh, and he, you know, they always talk about one game season and the cliche, and it's the Iowa championship season, and they will need all of that strategy and those blinders if they want to win this game this weekend. I actually think it works, though. Don't you guys? I, I think in, in this case, I think it's. If they had, if if this was sort of a fluke and they had were going through and it was a nice year, but you didn't feel confident about it. Here's here's the most important thing 
to me that I think I talked about yesterday and I'll go back to, and until it fails them, we'll continue to go back to. Your quarterback's a flatline kid. He's unaffected. If Tanner Morgan was a up-and-down guy and was running off the field, you know, um, shaking his arms and all excited, and then he threw an interception and he was hanging his head, I'd say, eh, this isn't, this isn't good. But he acts like he's 42. And I really think that when that position, again, when things go wrong with Kirk, what do we always say? Oh, boy, you can sure tell, right? Because yeah. you just you can sometimes. I think that Fleck, what Fleck's goal is for this is Iowa week and next week will be, what, Northwestern week? I think the reason partially why this works is the quarterback buys into it and he doesn't get too up and he doesn't get too down. So I, I think in this case, this whole thing works. I'm okay with them losing a game or two here, by the way. Like oh, I, not me, no. I guess or two. I, I wouldn't be okay with or two at this point. Okay, thank you. I'm okay with them losing one of these games. Like, losing to Iowa... Judd will accept nothing would short not of an undefeated me. season. Is that where you... Are, are you there I, right now? Are you, are you uh, no, because Iowa and Wisconsin are going to be tough. They're going to split those games. But after what we saw on Saturday against Penn State, i got to be honest, I'm sort of buying into this whole thing. Yeah, I just like the the, the receivers, the run game, the quarterback, the defense, Winfield. There's just so many components that are good. The Iowa thing, I think, be, just based on how high your high was on Saturday and how quickly you have to transition. I think even though Wisconsin's better than Iowa, I think the Iowa game is the toughest game left on your regular season hmm. schedule. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and if you lose this weekend, it just opens the door for now. Now you're probably going to have to beat Wisconsin in the last game of the season to. Win the division, so it, it. I mean, obviously, it'd be really nice to just beat Iowa this weekend and then beat Northwestern and then be done with it all. And it doesn't even matter if. And then, then Wisconsin's not going to be. You know, it's just not going to be as. It'll be easier to beat Wisconsin if there's nothing on the line. I guess. Let me ask you guys a question because you said yesterday, Mackie, like the 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 realm of possibility for the Gophers is anywhere from pick a bowl game to no, college no. college football playoff. Oh, I said college football playoff to losing your division. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But there's a wide array of possibilities for this Gophers team as we sit today. Let's let's for a second entertain the most glorious of those possibilities, or what many would sure. perceive as the most glorious of those possibilities. They get to the college football playoff. Is that a good thing necessarily? The wild ones are song back. Excuse Wait, me. Is Wait. that is that a good thing necessarily? Is let, me, let, thing? let me explain why. Because I was watching Get Up yesterday. What's in your mug? And Rex Ryan, nothing. I drank all. My you got one. You got one guy coffee. that's swearing and one guy that's drinking. Yeah, I mean, what's going on right with this show? <laughs> let me explain. <laughs> let me explain. Yesterday I was watching uh, Get Up, and they were talking about should Alabama still be in the college football playoff after they lost to LSU. And Rex Ryan said, yeah, they're they're obviously one of the four best teams in the country. I don't care if they lose another game. I still think they're one of the four best teams in the country. And who's going to give you a better, more competitive football game in the college football playoff than Alabama? And then he took a shot at Minnesota, and he said, and I know Gophers fans are watching right now and think their team might have a shot of getting to the playoff, and they can row their boat all the way to Clemson and get their ass beat by 34 points. Yeah, And he's got a point. That's fine. But... From your own mental well-being standpoint and from the standpoint of the perception of this program, which affects recruiting, what would be better for those two things, going and winning a Rose Bowl and ending the season on a high note, or going to the college football playoff and getting your butt handed to you by a much better football team 
And then going out on the recruiting trail and saying, yeah, okay. I know we got crushed, but... I would take the Rose Bowl and end on a high. I would take... I'd go beat Utah in the Rose Bowl. I would take that. That's better, right? Than yes. going to the college football playoff and getting your ass kicked? I think... I don't know if it's... I mean, better or worse, obviously getting to the college football playoff would be historic and would be amazing and, and the visibility and everything. Uh, but I think... I think there's something to be said for ending on that kind of a crescendo and a high note right. of winning a road exactly. the way you diagram yeah. it like that. And yeah. also the unknown of you can still go into a recruit's living room if you don't make the college football playoff and say, we should have made it, and we would have kicked some ass if we got there. Let's actually carry this over here to cram session because the first question out of the gate for cram session is, where should the Gophers, well, maybe it's two parts, where do the Gophers get ranked tonight in the college football playoff rankings, and where should they be ranked? Let's let's carry the Gopher conversation over. We'll do a cram session. Mackie and Jeb with Rami on Score North and the Score North app. He was like, try punching me. My neck is 18 inches wide. <laughs> TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Who's the winner? Some may say none of them. But let the games begin. Three questions, one winner. It's Cram Session with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. All right, Jonathan throws three questions at us, and then he awards us points as we uh, try to answer the question to his liking, basically. So, Jonathan. To his liking is a very key phrase there. (laughs) There is no right or wrong answer. It's to his liking. So, Jonathan, fire away. What's question number one here? We'll stick with the Gophers topic you guys ended last hour on. Where do the Gophers get placed in tonight's college football rankings? They were placed 17th last week. They beat number four, I believe, Penn State. Correct. Where are they going to place tonight? Judley? All right. So they, they came out on Sunday. They are seventh in the AP and coaches poll, which seems okay, right? Mm-hmm. That's That seems about right. Mm-hmm. But I did some I did some more digging, researching. Yes. Seven's not right. I like how Judd does digging and researching, even though there is no right answer. It's just whatever Jonathan likes. This is very true. <laughs> he still thinks data matters. But seventh, but seventh is not right. Seventh Trying is, to save a metric cram session. Good seventh is actually off by one. They will be sixth. Whoa! It will be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, which are also the top five in the AP poll. Okay, Gophers, and they will leapfrog in the college football playoff rankings, Oregon. And here's why. The Gophers are 9-0. and The Gophers just beat Penn State. And the argument previously about the Gophers was they played nobody. Let me tell you a little something about the Ducks from Oregon, okay? They are 8-1. and They lost. They lost in week one at Auburn, which is a ranked team. Their victories, so their eight wins, Nevada, Montana, Stanford, Cal, you're not going to get me. Colorado, Washington, Washington State, and USC. None of those teams are in the AP poll. So talk about playing nobody. West Coast football stinks. The Pac-12, not that great. Oregon, not deserving of being sixth. They're actually deserving of being behind the Gophers. I put the Gophers sixth. Okay. Uh, There are three teams that will 100% be above the Gophers that I know for a fact. LSU, Ohio State, and Clemson are all going to be... Those are your top three teams for sure right now. And I think the question we have to figure out, the committee gets tricky sometimes. Like the committee put, the committee will, this early on, the committee will put two teams in the 
in the top four that have to play each other later. So, like, they put Alabama and LSU in, right? And and Clemson was out knowing that the LSU-Alabama thing will just work itself out, and then you take away the loser. They put Penn State and Ohio State in. At the time, probably thinking, well, these two teams are going to play each other in a couple weeks anyway, so one of them will be out. And the wrinkle was that the Gophers were the team that beat Penn State, not Ohio State. So this all depends on what does the committee really think of Penn State? Did they put Penn State in the top four as just kind of a placeholder? Like, well, they're going to lose to Ohio State anyways, and then we can bump them out and just make teams continue to prove it. Or did they really think Penn State was a top four team? If they really thought Penn State was a top four team, the Gophers should be fourth. But I think there's a case to be made for the SEC just having three of the top five or six teams in the entire country. So it wouldn't shock me if Alabama was still fourth and the Gophers were fifth or sixth. So I guess my official prediction is going to be the Gophers are going to be fifth on this list. And if they beat Iowa, they'll move ahead of Alabama. It'll then be their their second prove it. That, okay, you went back-to-back ranked teams, you went on the road, now you proved it, now we'll put you over one loss Alabama. I am going to put them eighth. And not by any fault of their own, but because the college football playoff and the way of determining who will get to the playoff is a complete and total sham. And people are voting on the heritage of programs and whether or not you have the right logo on the side of your helmet, probably more than what's actually transpiring on a football field. And I'll tell you the programs that have more heritage and the more recognizable logo than Minnesota right now. It's LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Oregon, Oklahoma, Maybe even Utah, but I'm going to say that they they eke out Utah and they get the eight spot in the college football playoff <laughs> rankings. Utah. I wouldn't Utah. be surprised. Utah, Utah doesn't have a ton. Like Utah had Urban Meyer for more. five minutes. They have minutes. a little bit more. Oregon's recent, got cool shoes. Right. They have a little bit more recent history and success. Oregon, by the way, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but up until 20 years ago, this is why there is hope for a program like Minnesota. Yeah. Wisconsin up until 25 years ago was dormant, and Oregon up until. Twenty years ago, Chip was Kelly. dormant, right? Was yeah. non-existent, right? Yeah. Who was the coach before? Uh, Mike Mike Bellotti really put Oregon on the map, yep. and then Chip Kelly came in. But so I have him eighth. Okay. They will be just ahead of Utah, but eighth behind Oklahoma. Well, none of you had the answer that I had written down previously, which was number nine. So Rami, you were the closest. <laughs> there we at number go. Eight. But it's also because he did he did mention our... the thing that I oh, would agree with that this. This program vote or this the college football playoffs votes on heritage programs and the Gophers just aren't one of those right now. It's a sham. So they're, a they're not going to move up from seventeenth to fifth or sixth. I think they're going to get up to around ninth or eighth if if we're going with Rami's answer. But travesty, this all, a sham, and a mockery. It's this a all solves itself. This is why yeah. I have no problem with the heritage thing. Of course, Alabama has built up enough credibility mm-hmm. to where they don't. Like, they should be in the top four. I mean, the only Alabama. reason Notre Dame is ever ranked is because they are Notre Dame. I love Notre Dame, and I don't even disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> so Rami's getting the point there. Question two, where are the Wolves going to finish this season? We opened up the show talking about Andrew Wiggins and is if if this is real. Where are the Wolves going to finish this season? In the playoffs, out of the playoffs, eight seed, four seed, where do you guys think they're going to finish? I think they're making the playoffs. And I think they're going to be the seven or the eight seed because as we as I was on, I don't know if it was raised by wolves or if it was a score north live that I was doing with Danny. Uh, score north live, by the way, weekdays noon to two on fifteen hundred scorenorth dot com and the score north mobile app. It's that me with a right there. rotating cast of score north co-hosts. Now, nah, because people wrote in that they don't like that in the survey, so 
Rami's overpromotion yeah, of things on the show. It. But before the season started, there's also people that wrote in that they hate cramp sessions. I said to Danny, like, is it crazy if everything goes right? Is it crazy that they might make the playoffs? And Danny went through the list of teams that are pretty much locked into the playoffs and a couple more that had a better shot than than what the Timberwolves did at the time. And since then, Steph Curry is out for the season. The Sacramento Kings look to have been a mirage last year, whatever progress and step they took forward. A few teams have dropped out of the picture, and when you look at the Western Conference and the Timberwolves' chances, their prospects are actually pretty good to get into the postseason right now because of the improvement that they've made, yes, but also the Western Conference kind of coming back to them. So, all right, here's uh, I, I think they're going to finish on the outside looking in. I think they're going to, I think, I actually think they're going to finish in probably the worst possible spot that you can be in in the NBA, which is like the bottom half of the, the bottom third of the lottery. Um, I think they're going to fight. I think they're going to finish close to 500, if not even slightly above 500. But here's the problem right now, okay? The top seven teams, right now the Wolves are an eight seed. And there's seven teams above them. And it's really hard to make a case that any of those seven teams are highly likely to come plummeting down. You could say, well, Dallas, you know, Dallas has no defense and, uh, and they're, you know, they're off to a good start. But, I think Dallas is much more of a solidified seven or an eight seed than the Timberwolves. Phoenix is actually Phoenix has one of the best plus minuses in the first ten games of any team in the NBA, and the San Antonio Spurs are sitting one spot behind the Timberwolves. And I refuse to believe even a retooling San Antonio Spurs team is going to miss the playoffs in 2019-20. I think they're going to sneak in as a seven or an eight seed. So I just think even the Blazers, like the Blazers, are a top heavy team off to a slow start. Uh, it feels like the Wolves are going to be around 500, but a couple spots out of the playoffs. Uh, yeah, they, they've got some talent, but but not much, and they definitely have a philosophy or a uh, or a scheme that doesn't fit their personnel. Come January or so, they're going to start to miss a ton of shots consistently, probably, at least most guys will. They are going to be in the bottom half of their conference. They are going to miss the playoffs. They're going to, unless their lottery luck changes drastically, get a decent but not great pick. But this is 10 games, and it's been fun. And I think it's fun to see that they have a philosophy that is long-term going to make sense. But it's an 82-game season, and January hits, and you start to go through the dog days, and they are going to tumble out of a playoff spot not to be heard from again in 2019-20. Well, where I do agree with you, Judd, there, I think Phil was leaning more towards where I'm leaning. They're going to just miss out on the playoffs there. That's kind of what I've been thinking since I've seen this new look Wolves team play and how they've been, uh, how they've been playing, it's just it's fun to see them change and play a different style. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I think it's going to be one of those where they just miss it. So Phil, you're getting the point here. Third question, final question: What's the most important game left on the Vikings' schedule? All right, I'll take this one to start with. Okay, it's the Green Bay Packers game in Week 16. And here's why. Because you might be thinking, I'm sure one of you guys will make the case for the Seattle game coming up. Some, you, one of you might even make the case for one of the lesser games. You can't stumble uh, when you're when you're looking down the schedule. Bears game. The, the Bears game at the very end? Well, Bears game for Rami is going to be huge. So <laughs> The Trubisky Bowl. <laughs> Rami knows. If you're waiting for a comment from me, you won't get one. <laughs> <laughs> so here's why I say the Packers game. Right now, the Packers are 8-2. And the Vikings are seven and three. So the Vikings are one game back. And I think when you look at their schedules coming up here, I think the Vikings and the Packers are both going to lose one game up until their head to head matchup. 
the Vikings are probably going to lose at Seattle on Monday night, but they're going to beat Denver, Detroit, and the Los Angeles Chargers. The Packers are probably going to lose to the San Francisco 49ers, and they're likely to beat, uh, let's see, who else do they have? They have the Giants, Washington, and a home game against Chicago. So they're going to go in with a one-game difference, Vikings behind by one game, and that game in Week 16 is essentially for the division, or at least to be tied record-wise in the division. So I'm going to say that Packers game in Week 16, Monday Night Football is going to be for a lot of marbles. Um, I like that. That's great. But I'm going to go with, as you predicted, Seattle. It's a conference game, and that game is going to tell you so much about your team. Your starting quarterback, your offense, your offensive coaching, your defense, your secondary. Russell Wilson is the MVP of this league right now. And if you can go in in there and contain him. And by the way, the uh, Seattle defense played a decent game. Pretty good game last night, but they are leaky. They have problems. You, You can score points. If you go in on a Monday night in prime time to a place where you played a really poor game last year and look completely lost and come out with a win, you are going to have basically announced yourselves as a incredibly legitimate team in a conference in which there is no scary team. I think that Seattle game, to me, in every way, shape, or form, is absolutely enormous to deciding who this Vikings team is. And I think that also translates to them as far as them saying this is a legit team. And I only hope they don't say... I sure wish we had traded for a cornerback. Minka Fitzpatrick and Jalen Ramsey were out there, and that could have made us a whole lot better in a Super Bowl team. But it's too late now, so I say Seattle. The question is, what's the most important game left on the Vikings schedule, Jonathan? Yes. The most important game on the Vikings schedule is the next one, guys. It's the next game. One week at a time. Is this the Denver Championship Week? It's Denver Championship Week, guys. But I say that in all sincerity that it is... Right now, it's the Broncos because look at look at the playoff picture, and I mean this, I mean this sincerely. Look at the playoff picture. You have four, five, and four teams right now. That's a game and a half back of the Vikings. Three of them are fighting for the wild card, and one of them is the Dallas Cowboys. Somebody from the East is going to fall out. You're going to have three teams on your heels playing for a wild card, and when you look at the rest of the Vikings schedule, you have three very losable games in the Seahawks, the Packers, and I know what my Bears have become, but they just seem to play up to the Vikings and give them a tough matchup whenever those two teams play. You have three potential losses in these six games you have left on on your schedule. You need to win the ones that you are heavily favored by, the ones that you are clearly the better football team on the field on that day, you need to go and get those wins. And that assures you, if you get those three, at least a 10-win season. You lose one of those three against the Broncos, the Lions, or the Chargers, who I see as on paper should be definite wins. Now things get a little bit sketchy when you look at the playoff picture. That's why I'm going to say it's the Broncos. Where I do agree with Judd that Seahawks is important, I'm going to have to agree with Phil Moore that the Packers game is so important just because it's in division, you're one game behind the Packers right now, and the time it comes at the season, it's so late in the season, you have one game after that to make up if you lose that Packers game, and the Packers play Detroit after that, I believe. So I think that Packers game is more important than any other game left on the schedule. I'll take my W. Eat those W's like James That's right. Trying to make a, Trying to make a case for the next game is very coach-like. I know. One game at a time, Robbie. I know. Uh, speaking of one game at a time, the Timberwolves right. took it one game at a time with their three-point chucking. They went uh, six for 45 a couple nights ago and decided 
We're going to chuck some more. 15 of 34 last night. Uh, Danny Cunningham covers the Wolves for scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com. You can follow him on Twitter. Um, and I, you and I, but this will drop tomorrow, it sounds like. You and I did a deep dive into Andrew Wiggins. And so uh, we got a couple minutes here with Danny. The floor is yours. Do you think Andrew Wiggins has officially turned a corner? Or are you like Judd, Danny, that you just need to see 72 more games uh, because they've only played 10 so far? I don't know that I quite need to see 72 more games, but I'm not ready to say that this is who Andrew Wiggins is completely. I think that there are plenty of signs that point to this being something that is very sustainable, but I'm not ready to say Andrew Wiggins is now this guy and we can forget about the past. I think it's possible that in two or three months we're talking about that, but right now I'm not ready to say Andrew Wiggins is is great now. He's a really good player. He's played well. It's been 10 games. I think that what he's doing is sustainable, where he's taking shots from, very sustainable. He's not taking nearly as many mid-range shots as he has before. He's getting into the paint. He's taking more threes. He's doing all the right things, and he's playing really well. But before I'm ready to say that Andrew Wiggins is ready to be something resembling a co-star to Carl Anthony Towns, I need to see this happen over 50 games. Danny, last night when I was watching the game on Fox Sports North, and, and in addition to the things that we can see and measure on a basketball court, I think one of the one of the problems a lot of Wolves fans had watching Andrew Wiggins is it seemed like he just didn't care all that much or didn't care enough about winning basketball games and, and playing a winning style of basketball. Jim Pete said last night that because of the way that Garrison Rosas has gotten through to him and Ryan Saunders has gotten through to him, he's been a different guy and a more competitive guy, a more passionate guy about the game of basketball this year. You don't really see that in his body language and his facial expressions. In your time around the team, have you seen anything different from Andrew Wiggins as far as his attitude or approach to the game? It's easy to say that Andrew, maybe he hasn't looked like he's cared at times, and I don't know that that's the truth. I think that when a guy isn't necessarily a very emotional person, as Andrew isn't, it's easy to make that comparison. But I think that it's easy to say that he cares more now because he's bought into the system, because he's doing everything the right way when he hasn't done that in the past. And when things haven't gone his way, when he's fallen back into those lapses where he has taken a couple of bad, inefficient shots, He's been pulled by Ryan Saunders, and for the most part, he's responded well every time on the court. So I think that those are the signs that show that, okay, yeah, he's a little more invested now and that he's got it figured out and he's buying in when you wouldn't have been able to say that in the past. So how how many guys do you trust on this team to hit threes right now? Uh, I mean, I consistently probably two, Judd. I, okay. I trust Carl because – he is a he's a forty percent three point shooter. He's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA, and for the most part, I trust Robert Covington too. Everyone else is going to be here or there with their three point shot. They're going to be a streaky team. I mean, we saw them obviously go six for forty five yep. the other night on, on Sunday at home, and then last night we saw them go eight of ten in the first quarter. That's who they're going to be. I don't think they're as bad as a team that's going to consistently shoot 13% from three in the game, but they're probably also not going to have very many quarters where they make eight out of ten either. They're somewhere somewhere in the middle, but the roster doesn't lend itself to one that is just loaded with three-point snipers. I, I, I trust Carl. I trust Robert Covington. I think Wiggins is going to continue to improve, 
because his, he's been shooting a little below his career numbers from three lately, but I think that that will get better. And oddly enough, I might trust Jeff Keeg too. When, when Jeff gets back from this, uh, this illness that he's dealing with, I think that he could be a very quality three-point shooter for them, too. Uh, Danny Cunningham, uh, you and Rami went to a local gym this morning and had a dunk contest. How would you describe um, that for the audience? Let me correct you. I took him to school. Oh, we okay. didn't go to the gym. I took him <laughs> straight to school. Rami, I was the one that drove. You can't say you took me anywhere. I, I you know what I mean. Ride. You know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Uh, the Rami, so I, I the, mean, the Rami challenge, by the way, it drops at six o'clock on the Scorner Twitter account. If you want to see if he can shoot six of forty-five from downtown, mm-hmm. we'll see. <laughs> Sorry, go so ahead, here's Danny. Here's the thing with that challenge, and I won't, I won't spoil the results. <laughs> but Rami didn't exactly take NBA three pointers in this challenge, and they that didn't was have something the, that was a little disheartening. They didn't have the line. They you, hadn't. They didn't have it measured. You could move back a couple feet. But then I don't know if I, now maybe I'm going too far back. We don't know. Are you making no, excuses? No. I just wanted accuracy. Yeah, that's, that's all what he's doing. Okay, that, I just he's wanted accuracy. Excuses. Because when myself and Seth Auger, our social media guy at School North, when we also attempted 45 threes, uh, we didn't seem to have a problem taking a couple of steps back and shooting them from what we deemed to be an NBA distance, where Rami was just trying to trying to shoot from a high school distance, not even the college distance. <laughs> Rami's shooting from I the shot, distance that first ninth, of all, ninth graders are shooting from. I shot from the line that was laid out. Okay, that's that's all we know is what was laid out. I shot from that. And I did take somewhere in the 5 to 10 neighborhood range of what I think were NBA threes. But the video evidence will be out there soon enough. And the video evidence yeah, is already out there of me just dunking on fools. Just reaching yeah, back I mean, it, and it, throwing it down. It's pretty clear you picked the wrong profession. I mean, you can find the video. It's on my Twitter at Real D Cunningham. You can find the video of Rami just absolutely. I mean, you almost brought down the rim. You I, jumped so high, was, I couldn't. It was a, it. it was a Shaq situation. Yeah, Danny broken glass everywhere. Danny and Seth jaws and, on the ground. <laughs> in all seriousness, the responses, the the responding tweets to my video. <laughs> Cracked me up. I think someone said, "Why does it look like Rami is jumping with pockets full of quarters right now?" Wow! Incredible stuff. Great stuff by Twitter.com. And the thing—it was amazing. The thing about that video that bothers me more than anything, Danny. Not not my vert. I knew I didn't have much of a vert. I do a weird thing with my offhand when I'm dribbling, where it's like my hand is curled. Like, back behind me, like off to my left and back behind me, if you watch. And Declan pointed out on Score North Live today, weekdays, noon to 2 on Score North on 1500 and the Score North mobile app, Stanley from the office had the same exact dribbling style as I do, where he's dribbling with one hand and the other one, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's involuntary. It just happens. It curls up and back and to my left while I'm dribbling. So Declan knew this? Yeah. Well, like- when he's saw the video. It's remarkable. Yeah. Just like Michael Jordan's tongue hangs out. The, the great ones don't even know that they're doing it. I look know? like I was in a terrible car accident and lost use of my left arm. <laughs> That's what I look like when I'm dribbling the basketball. So you can find... It was, uh, it was not pretty. You can find uh, the full Rami Timberwolves challenge on the Score on Twitter account. Danny, uh, we'll catch up with you tomorrow, man. See ya. Sounds good, guys. All right. That is Danny Cunningham. Find him on the Raised by Wolves podcast, Vikings Vant Line, and part of Score North Live. When we come back, we have a little breaking Twins news to get to. A little unexpected Twins news. Yeah, we sure do. To get to. Mackie and Judd with Rami on Score North and the Score North app.
Baldelli has been named the American League Manager of the Year, gentlemen. Which comes as sort of a surprise because a lot of the word that was trickling out was that Aaron Boone was the front runner, and Ken Rosenthal the, had him third. He was number one. Number one. He was number one. Uh, him and Aaron Boone, I believe, tied for first place votes, and then it came down to some of the the secondary votes. But uh, the Twins just sent out a press release. Baldelli led the Twins to their first American League Central title since the uh, 2010 season. The first, I'm sorry, the fourth manager of the year in club history to win the award, joining Tom Kelly, Ron Gardenhire, and Paul Molitor. Um, uh, the winningest first-year manager in the Twins-Senators franchise history, and the Twins' 101 wins mark the second most in Minnesota history. He also just checks all of the classic, and I don't mean this as a rip because he, I think he did a wonderful job this year, but manager and coach of the year in all sports is such a formulaic thing, right? Like Phil Jackson probably was the coach, the real coach of the year 10 different times, but because everyone expected the Bulls and the Lakers yeah, to win championships. It's like Pop doesn't win it. Right, exactly. In basketball too often. So, yeah. so if you check the box of your team was not expected to do anything and you yep. did something and there was a huge jump in how many wins you had last year versus this year, you tend to win manager of the year. So Rocco Baldelli, congratulations. Um, what do you guys think is the best attribute he's brought as a manager in his first year here? I honestly think because in in modern baseball, and I'm, this is not to minimize because some people think managers aren't doing anything from a baseball strategy standpoint. They're just they have a book of analytics and it tells them what to do. That is not the case, but there is there is more decided by analytics than there ever was back in the day. So I think it's more of the slice of the pie of doing the manager's job is the the morale of a team and having everybody pointed in the right direction and having the mindset, especially when you're talking about a 162-game season, of not getting too high with the highs and too low with the lows. And I think that was something that we saw with this Twins team this year. And the fact that they would bounce back both within games from trying from trying circumstances and they would bounce back from losing streaks and they didn't really have a lot of long losing streaks. I think those are a measure of the attitude and and the mindset that this team had. And I I saw it once before with Craig Council and I'm seeing it again here with Rocco Baldelli. That stuff matters, man. And he seems to really relate to these guys. The late AF policy that they have and I'll let you figure out what the AF part of it means of hey man, you guys are professionals you know how to get ready for a game. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to lay out a regimen for you and tell you where you need to be and what you need to be doing every minute of the day leading up to a game. He sort of let them do their own thing. He let them be themselves, both from a baseball player standpoint and from a personality standpoint. And I think that stuff really, really matters. I know it sounds cliche and it's intangible and you can't measure it or put a number on it, but I think he really changed the attitude, the morale, the persona of that locker room. And off that point, I think the most important thing, too, and, and it, it seems like successful sports organizations are doing this more and more, and it's not an old-school thing, but Twins are doing it. I think the Wolves are, too. Empowerment of all employees. And I, it, it's a trickle-down. But, but, you know, Falvey and Levine empower Rocco. Rocco empowers his coaching staff, and thus that empowers the players. Nobody's treated like a child. Now, if you get out of line, somebody does have to rein you back in, and I get that that can be a dicey thing because if Rocco isn't reining people in consistently, it can seem odd if he has to all of a sudden. But, you know, you can go to Nelson Cruz, right? And Nelson Cruz can say, hey, dude, that's pushing things too far. But I really, it's 
the whole thing is to me empowerment that starts at the very top and everybody has to pull their weight but is counted to do so and nobody is assumed that they won't do their job or has their job done for them and Baldelli was good at that I think Falvey is good at that and that's a major change from old school baseball where it was basically this is how we do things because I say so yeah I mean your your job as a manager is not just to peruse through the lefty-righty matchups and and sharpen your lineup pencil down to the nub, right? It's a lot of lot, a lot of a lot of that stuff is formulaic and a lot of that stuff now starts from the front office down. So I think the thing you can do best as a manager it's it's less about in-game strategy because those are like those decisions are sort of black and white based on the analytics and the numbers that you have. Mm-hmm. And it's more cultural stuff. Can you create an environment that allows players to thrive as much as they can? Can you get Mitch Garver to become a 30 home run hitter in 350 at bats? Can and if you look up and down the Twins pitching staff and the Twins lineup, they had a bunch of breakout performances, guys that just weren't clicking under Paul Molitor. And I'm not saying it was a direct correlation, uh, like that. Man, if Paul Molitor was still the manager, then Mitch Garver went to hit 30 home runs this year, or Max Kepler went to have had a breakout year. But I do think you have to give Rocco Baldelli some credit for just creating parameters and an environment and probably a communication flow between front office coaching staff and players that maximizes the individual performances that led to the Twins breaking the single-season home run record, which also counts toward uh, Baldelli's resume as manager of the year. So uh, real quick, we're gonna, we're, we are going to start to mix in some hot stove stuff, middle of the week especially, probably Wednesdays we can do kind of an expanded hot stove thing, but our guy Doogie, is reporting on Twitter at D Wolfson KSTP. You can find his scoop podcast twice a week. Uh, a new episode with Cole Aldrich just dropped today. Just find it on the Score North app or scorenorth.com. And he said, so the GM meetings are happening right now. The GM meetings are kind of a precursor to the winter meetings in December. And this is where conversation starts to flow. Free agents are available to sign. And he said, the twins have already touched base with one free agent pitcher's camp in particular, Zach Wheeler. I'm not surprising. 29-year-old stud pitcher for the Mets. Uh, ERA of three and a half the last couple years. Strikeout per inning. Mets, kind of an organization that doesn't really know what they're doing half the time. Always in flux. A guy like that who was good with the Mets could probably be great with the Twins if they can do to him what they did with Tyler Duffy and Taylor Rogers and the first month of Martin Perez. So Zach Wheeler, the Twins have already... I don't know what it means, but the Twins have already... Where does he rank on, on your list? Well, if behind, we got Garrett, Matt, behind Garrett Cole. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like the, the <laughs> realistic know. list. Let's say the realistic list yeah. starts or, or begins with uh, Bumgarner, Wheeler, that group. So the Garrett Cole. For me, that's it right there. It's Bumgarner, then Wheeler. Okay. As far as the guys who are who are fits. Yeah, and I, might sign with you. Right. Realistic possibilities and fits. Here. I think it goes Bumgarner, then Wheeler. I actually put Wheeler and Bumgarner on the same plane. Uh, the one thing you know about Wheeler is that he doesn't have 10-plus years of mileage on his arm. And so I think people are probably overrating that a little bit with Madison Bumgarner. Justin Verlander is fine, and he's 35, right? Max Scherzer is fine, and I think I think Bumgarner is in that class of pitchers. It's not like his arm is just going to fall off because he's pitched for a long time. Sure. But Zach Wheeler's only thrown 700 major league innings. So you, you at least know you're getting a much more fresh arm in Zach Wheeler. Um, but put it this way, if they wound up with either Zach Wheeler or Madison Bumgarner and they brought Jayco to Rizzi back, that's a pretty damn good offseason. But it's good to know that, hey, we're early in the process and at least they're making phone calls. Let's just start. see if the poll ads will pay. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we got to see if they'll pay. Find out. 
I, hope, I just hope there's more activity early on. There's here. not going. You, you know, Can somebody not... signed in like early December for once. Well, and a big name, not so. You know, the Twins have signed three players to AAA contracts. Let's actually have some. This is the biggest disappointment now because you so badly want activity, right? It's so much fun in all sports. How much fun is that? Yeah. And baseball, the last what? Phil, do you think it's been four years, five years now? Yeah. That might be a little bit excessive. I think it's been for sure three years. It's just been flat. Yeah. Uh, did you see the other Twins news that Eddie Rosario has a new agency, Rock Nation? He's your, it's your guy. His agent, uh, Kyle Thousand. Isn't that Miguel Sano's yeah, agent, too? It, no, he uh, he severed ties with them. With Kyle Thousand? Kyle Thousand and Rock Nation out for Miguel. I think he severed ties. I'm not sure how how it went, but I asked Doogie that a few months back, and he I believe he told me that... Um, Kyle is no longer yeah. Miguel's guy. He's Eddie Rosario's guy. Rami, is there a more agent-sounding name than Kyle Thousand? It can't hey, be right. hey, everybody! I can't it's believe it's me, Kyle Thousand. I can't believe there is no. I can't. That, that's the most agenty name that's is, ever been out there. What's his real last name? Is my question. It's that. It's Thousand. What do you mean? <laughs> hey, hey! You want to know what my client's gonna slug next season? About a thousand. <laughs> Why wouldn't you go with I a million you. then? Why wouldn't you go with a million? Like, hey. if you're going to change your name, just hey. go to a million. Did you see uh, my client last year? See how many runs he drove in? <laughs> Judd's right. About a thousand. Judd's right. Why would you go with a million? It's you're Kyle right. Thousand. You're not setting the, you're not setting the bar no, that no, high you're not. with Thousand. It's Kyle Billion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I want. <laughs> like, maybe in the 1920s, that was impressive. It's not know. that impressive anymore. <laughs> Well, that's probably when his family started the name. The only question is who, who, uh, or he comes from a long line of agents. <laughs> <laughs> My pappy was an agent, and his pappy was an agent. The only question is what team? What team is Kyle Thousand going to be dealing with when talking about the left fielder? That's my question. The Thousands have a long legacy in this agent game. You want to know how many teams are interested in signing my client to a long-term extension? About a thousand. Oh, why, why is Kyle Thousand Quagmire from Family Guy? Giggity, giggity. <laughs> he always has been. All right. How old are you? Oh. Let's wrap with Roycey when we come back. By the way, the other big story today, the if the Astros weren't already in some hot water over various things, uh, a story was broken wide open today by Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic with sources on the record from the Astros players. a couple years ago. Players. Mike saying, Fires. Explaining how they've cheated. And we'll go through some of that with Patrick Royce when we come back here. And uh, before we go anywhere, we'll talk about Luther Brookdale Toyota on the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard. Uh, you can stop by, open until 9 o'clock tonight, and ask for a test drive of any number of new vehicles. I know they're trying to get rid of some of these 2019s that are very much new and very much amazing, but it means you get some great deals. Stop by the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com, to find out about those deals. they got to make room for the 2020s. And I'll tell you, it's it's cold out. What's it, like 15 degrees today? It was like 5 degrees this morning. So winter is coming. You want to make sure that you're in a vehicle. Like, I, I made this decision during the summer months. I said, i got to get some four-wheel drive. I just I need some heated seats. Just a couple things that make me feel a little bit safer and more comfortable during the winter months. So it's the it's the combination of... All the bells and whistles and the durability and efficiency you get from Toyota vehicles with the staff and uh, and the the service department at Luther Brookdale Toyota, a place my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years. Again, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com.
Jonathan here with the Score North download, the final one of the day. Listen to Score North at Amazon Alexa. Just say Alexa, open Score North, and you'll hear the soothing sounds of Purple Daily, Mackie and Judd with Rami, and much, much more. Just say Alexa, open Score North. And boys, I know we just talked about Rocco Baldelli winning the AL Manager of the Year, but there's more important things going on right now in sports. Not just, oh, not just any football. Maction. Football. Yes. It's Maction night, baby. We got two games going on. Eastern Michigan versus the mighty Akron Zips. <laughs> the 0-9 Akron Zips. It's right behind you. What are we even Currently, doing? Currently, it's Maction night, It's Maction. I'm all in now Isn't on Maction. the Score North download supposed to be things people are interested in and yes, care about? Yes, Maction. People are interested in Your Score North download should be about Disney+. Plus. Eastern Michigan That's Eagles. Your Score North download should be about. That's what people should be Eastern watching. Michigan Eagles are <laughs> seven. Are up seven rip over the mighty Akron Zips, who've lost every game by double digits this season, while Western Michigan currently have the ball against Ohio. Ohio, four and five right now. Western Mich- Michigan already bowl eligible. Yes. I Those games that. both on ESPN. That's been your score north download. Now back. <laughs> That's where you can find terrible football. All right. Uh, Royce, before we talk about this Astros cheating scandal, are you in on Maction? Are you a Maction guy? Uh, well, uh, you know, Akron made the tragic mistake of firing Terry Bowden, and now they're worse, right? They're, uh, they can't win a game. And do uh, you know that Eastern Michigan is having such a successful program? They just dropped four sports. As did the uh, <laughs> Buffalo uh, team. So leap right into that Division One St. Thomas. It's really flying for the uh, non-Power Five teams. So uh, and uh, yeah, they just dropped. Uh, they just dropped uh, four sports. Both of those. Uh, but uh, I'm. Who's the other one? Western against somebody? I don't uh, know. It's a East, Eastern Michigan, Pat. Get your directional don't Michigan worry, Pat, schools It doesn't right. matter at all. No, no, but but he said Western Michigan. Western Michigan versus Ohio too. Bobcats. Okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, uh, no, I probably won't turn over there tonight. No, now let me say something before we talk about Rocco here. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times can MLB Network play in the Sandlot, the Sandlot, before it's uh, you know illegal? I mean, there's a there's a legal limit, isn't there? You can't. They're they're putting that. I just saw them put an ad up that it's on again Thursday night. You, you cannot you cannot have a network that is based on Kevin Millar. And showing the sandlot every time there's not a game on. That's, uh, you know, it's uh, disgusting. It's like the Golf Channel plays that. Uh, uh, Bagger Vance. Uh, Wilson, the, yeah, Bagger Vance. Yeah. Movie about, uh, four days a week. So, come on. I'm guilty. Get, get I've, yourself, I've watched that a couple get times. Get yourself a variety of movies or don't. Don't have them. Yeah. Uh, I, guess, hey, I guess the league is their own. They show that a lot, too. Hey, before we talk about Rocco, how up to speed on this big Ken Rosenthal Astros cheating story are you? Did you oh, see what this you today? Saying? I don't know. What, so the Astros, the and so so Ken Rosenthal blew the top off this thing, and has on the record quotes from Astros pitchers from 2017 that are now with other organizations like Mike Fires, who said they had yeah. an elaborate system with cameras in center field that relayed signs from the opposing team's catchers. Uh, into a screen in the tunnel, and then they had a system where if it was a changeup or an off-speed pitch, they would bang a garbage can right as the sign was be- like the sign was delivered. They see it on the screen. They bang a garbage can, and there's video. Someone went through here. This John boy on Twitter went through and detailed an at bat from 2017 where you can hear the garbage can being banged every time there's a changeup coming. And uh, are we surprised? 
Are we going to take away their? Uh, no, wait. They didn't win. Did they win? Yeah, they won on seventeen. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they won yeah. seventeen. Uh, are we going to take away their title? I don't know. Maybe I. I, I was just bragging about having voted for House Jose Altuve as the MVP in two thousand seventeen. Maybe uh, they were all cheating. I don't know. But don't you feel like with technology and the technology and the analytics we have now that this is uh, this is uh, an issue that's uh, probably they might be a little more sophisticated about it. But uh, don't you think we've, we're stealing more pitches than ever because of technology? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and a bunch of teams, too. I mean, it's not just one. Houston might be the most progressive in trying to do it, but there's got to be, Pat, there's got to be, you know, 10 to 12 teams probably at least that, that are doing something like this. It's not going to be surprising. Thank God, we're, thank God we're honest, and it was all skill that led to 307 home runs. So. I'm going to be spending a lot of time in center field and target field next year <laughs> looking around for, like, little cameras and stuff. Just, you know, Well, you curious. know that the... You know, they got the cameras, the sophisticated cameras in the outfield yes. hanging from below that supposedly took the skeletal uh, pictures, right? Yeah. The uh, skeletal photos. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe that, you know, I, who knows? Let's celebrate Rocco's uh, championship <laughs> here today and not, uh, and not suggest they're cheating. But, uh, they're, they're, you know, every sport, baseball more than any because let's face it if you know what pitch is coming you have a big advantage uh it's harder to know what plays coming in the nfl than it is to know what pitch is coming in, in baseball that's for sure rocco won a nail biter though huh both had 13 first place votes did and, you think uh, he had a shot pat because i didn't see many people giving yeah. him a shot oh i thought he was gonna win i did think he was gonna win i didn't think i think when push came to shove people were gonna say Hey, Boone's managing the Yankees. What the hey? So uh, I, I actually, Mike, I gave my third vote to Frank Cono. Now I did vote for Cash last year, and he didn't win. Uh, Bob Melvin did, but I, I, I kind of thought he was going to win uh, in a in a close one. That's for sure. The guy from St. Louis won again, huh? Schilt. Yeah, I just saw okay. that come across oh, the timeline. Craig Council had more first no. place votes, but Schilt mm. gets Manager of the Year. No, not he didn't win again. He didn't win last year. Excuse me, but uh, Consul, I was hoping Consul won. I thought he was man, magnificent after Yelich uh, got hurt. So I was hoping he'd win. But uh, anyway, uh, good good for Rocco. I guess it's uh, the Twins have now had two of the last three. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah Molitor, two thousand seventeen. Yeah. What's this say about the perception of the Twins organization, though, that every time they have a good year, their guy wins the manager? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Gardenhire won the uh, Gardenhire won the lifetime achievement one in 2010 after a decade of division yes, championships. Yes, yes, he finished. What he did? He finished second like three, four years in a row. Or yeah. I think in 2010, I'm not sure I voted for him. <laughs> I might be, because uh, I basically uh, had the man, except for 2017, I've had the manager of the year uh, ballot most every year. So, so now if I'd watched the Timberwolves last night, I might have had to take back everything I said about him last night, shooting threes. Yeah, 15 of 34, Pat. Don't take it back. It's, it's all going to air at 6 o'clock, yeah, I believe Pat. you called it cartoon yeah. basketball Don't take yesterday. it back now. Yeah. But, except, I didn't know they were playing, so I didn't see it. <laughs> I watched the football. I watched more of the Seattle uh, uh, San Francisco football game than anyone I've watched all year, except for Vikings. 
And I didn't know they were playing. I was, you know, I, we were flying to Fort Myers this morning, so I, I picked up the paper this morning, and I said, you know, well, like at 5.30, because we were out there, I said, my God, they played last night. They made threes, uh, and I missed it. So uh, anyway, yeah, Andrew Wiggins too. Right. Andrew Wiggins is uh, basically setting career highs through ten games in almost every meaningful category. Michael Jordan, he's unbelievable. Yeah, he is Michael Jordan. Finally, finally, yeah, that's uh, that's true. By the way, boys, uh, eighty-two and sunny down here today. So thanks for telling us that. Appreciate little, that. Little little bit of an improvement from uh, what we left this morning. That's I was sure. just wondering. It's about ten degrees just, here, uh, so yeah, you're just gonna... here a few days. We basically came down here because my wife lost her password book, and we were hoping it might be in the condo, but it's not. So, you know, the little white password. If you don't have a password book now, you're basically, you know, or you don't have them kept someplace, you're basically out of luck, right? Wait, you said a pass a password book? Password book. Like all your she passwords? She had a little book that she wrote all her passwords in, and we yeah. can't find the damn thing. So we thought maybe it was in a drawer down here, but it's not. I think we need to anyway. teach Pat about the cloud. Oh, the cloud frightens me. Yeah, teach I, me I, first about the cloud before I teach Royce, because I don't know a thing about they, it. Every time they tell me, do you want to put it in the cloud, I say, no, leave me alone. And by the way, <laughs> yep. don't ever let them update don't ever let him update your iPhone. Yep. I what? He's exactly no, you're right. Mistakes in yep. my life. I could have told no. you that. Don't yep. ever have it updated. I always what updated. do you mean? Me too. I oh, no, no, no. no. Deny the update. Com- they've what? created unnecessary complications Correct. in my life. I had it I had it all figured out and now they want they drive me nuts. So that is cool, Pat. Keep the status quo. All right. Don't change. <laughs> Don't ever change anything. Right. Yeah. Fact, Don't ever challenge yourself. I, uh, my great friend Jim Wells, who just died, yep. died with a flip phone. Congratulations to him. Oh, wow. Uh, Congrats he, to did, Jim. he didn't believe none of the, any of that nonsense. You text him, you get a response about four days later. Wow. <laughs> didn't exactly pop it. I think he won. I think he won. He did. I'm pretty sure he won. Good for him. Yeah. All right, Pat. Yeah, we'll, talk, we'll talk tomorrow. Enjoy, Enjoy your 82 and Enjoy Florida. Okay, goodbye. Goodbye. All right, uh, Patrick Royce. He was a tweet storm from the football game last night. He was tweeting up a storm from Niners Seahawks. That was a great game. That was an amazing Monday night game. football's been awful for the most part this year, but that was a great game. How about to have back to back when's the last time we had a Sunday night and a Monday night game with four winning teams this late in the season and two great games? Monday night games, you just don't get that now. And that poor rookie kicker, man, how great did he feel after tying the game at the end of regulation and then one of the worst kicks? The I've moment ever was too big, Joe Tessitore. Yeah. The moment was too big. <laughs> And that ball went into the player's tunnel. It did. That's the incredible thing. Somebody there was a tweeted. Ca- there was a camera from like the the back part of the. It tunnel. came in like a scud missile. That was yes. hilarious. People were running from it, dude. That came that, in hot. That poor guy, man. That's probably the end of his kicking career, right? Because they just signed that guy off the streets. Yeah. They had, Robbie Gold got hurt. He was in the, with the Vikings for a week or something. Oh, that, that explains that was the guy so the, much Illinois, about what so happened on that. That'll kick. do it. The Vikings luck rubbed off on him as a kicker, and then it. Went right down the top. That's wider left than even like most Vikings kicks go, though. That was I'm not kidding. It was into the tunnel to the to the right if you were behind the field goal. Man, so uh, Royce Unchained with Judd is coming up next. If you missed any part of our Wiggins discussion or the Kirk Cousins discussion, podcastable Mackie and Judd with Rami on the Score North app, Apple or Spotify. And going up in five minutes. My can I outdo the six for forty five from the three point line that the Timberwolves shot Friday? Score North Twitter. Check it out. Score North. I'll go shot and bang. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup, so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 